1: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to icanwin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. maccas together and loving it. TNC's apply.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith.
3: Morena, New Zealand, good morning to you all. It is Friday, TGIF, I say, and a busy day uh, to celebrate for us going into another busy weekend of sport, of course. Uh, Ross Taylor joins us uh, straight after 9 o'clock. Ross has just been named in the Test Match squad to uh, take on India two tests later this month. So we'll we'll catch up with Roscoe there. Uh, Paul Tito, the fish, uh, of course, uh, he is now a former Taranaki, but now uh, assistant coach of the Wellington Lions rugby team. Uh, they got a bit of a battle on their hands to make the playoffs, so uh, we'll talk to Paul Tito, who is also force-bound uh, for the forthcoming Super Rugby Series, uh, and uh, an interesting time for him and rugby. Uh, we're going to go Surf Lifesaving. Uh, it's summer. Well, look out the window here, it isn't, but it is summer. Uh, Alan Mundy from Surf Life Saving National Search and Rescue Manager as well, and then Ben Kennings from Surf New Zealand. Uh, about the, the state of surf life saving, uh, you might have read that they've had to cut down on numbers, etc. Uh, we'll find out why and uh, just exactly what's going on there. Uh, an all-female panel today, Kimberly Downs and Ricky Swinnell. Look forward to that uh, with the women's Black Ferns coming up this weekend. Important weekend for them. Uh, and of course, Louis Herman Watt and Brendan Popperwell uh, just before 11 o'clock. Then Charmaine Smith, speaking of Black Ferns, uh, former Black Ferns lock. Uh, what do they have to do to get it right this time around? And then uh, Michael Guerin-Mick will join us uh, at around 11.40 this morning to talk harness racing, as per usual, on a Friday.
4: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy Sermon.
3: Well, full credit, as they say in the game, to Sam Kane. It's gone full circle rugby-wise this calendar year for him, and now he gets the number one job back again. You wouldn't deny him feeling some real satisfaction as he leads the All Blacks out against the Azuri at Roma Stadium, uh, Olympico, uh, early Sunday morning New Zealand time. He's been on the show a few times, has Sam, as we have sort of recuperated, then reinvented alongside him. It's a good story of perseverance and determination, and how valuable now those 58 minutes for the King Country Rams. Maybe because the All Blacks have been away so long, maybe it's because they're on the other side of the world, but I can't remember the prospect of a test match being talked about less. Or maybe it's because it's the third cakewalk in three weeks. And quite frankly, the only recognisable face in the opposition is the cult from Manaki, the coach, Kieran Crowley. And let us hope that it's a bright, entertaining encounter with no mishaps, no injuries, because after the week we've talked about in the game, it is sorely needed. So if Sam is on the way back, surely it's time for Chris Gale to make his way out. Time's up on the superstar that was largely immobile in the field and disruptive off it of late. He must have run his race. The West Indies, the playing through champs have been awful and they need a timely overhaul. In any sport, if you're at loggerheads with former players and administration publicly, you have to be a damn fine player to survive. Chris was in days gone by. He'll leave us uh, with memories of some power hitting and that unmistakable Caribbean swagger. The man with the dreads, he with the self-anointed nicknames like the boss, the world boss, the universe boss, gale force, gale storm, master storm, and my personal favorite, six machine, used to ooze charisma. Now he just oozes retirement. himself away, man. You going to play the audio? 906 here on uh, SENZ. And how appropriate and that Ross Taylor about this? and Kane about Williamson this? are
0: there for this moment, for this team. It's a story that's akin to David versus Goliath. But Kane Williamson and his team are now world test champions and living proof that sometimes... Just sometimes, nice guys
1: do finish first.
3: Well, that was the last time Ross Taylor was in the middle, actually. That memorable World Test Championship final when he hit the winning runs and now he's packing his bags to take on India again. But this time it's on their turf for the first of two Test matches starting on November 25th. I think the side leaves, or this uh, faction of the side leaves, is as early as Monday. Uh, So, uh, Roscoe, good morning to you. Thanks very much for joining us.
5: Morning, Smitty, yeah. It, um, obviously always nice to hear that, but uh, yeah, I haven't had any cricket balls in a match since then, so uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks.
3: So what have you done exactly? I mean, you're know, you you're one of the players uh, stuck at the moment in the Waikato, correct? So you haven't been able to join your Central District's teammates. You've missed out on, what, two or three chances for a hit.
5: Yeah, so we've been able to hit balls and, and things after we got out of Level 4, uh, but then after... Um, well, Hamilton's been brought back into level 3 haven't been able to hit any balls Um was fortunate enough on Wednesday to join the ND squad since we've gone into level 3.2 um, and hit some balls but um, yeah, it's definitely a strange time um, and my homeschooling has definitely been tested
3: Your homeschooling, so you've been a hands-on homeschooler
5: <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure how they do their maths these days but it's definitely not how we did it, Smitty um, <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it's been interesting, online learning, but um, yeah, I think kids are over it, as I'm sure the majority of the parents here in Hamilton, and especially in Auckland.
3: Yeah, I fully agree with that. Um, okay, let's talk about uh, what's lying ahead cricket-wise for you. Uh, uh, India and India, uh, and I'd imagine India are going to be a little bit desperate this time around, having lost that World Test Championship final. They're under pressure in this tournament, you knocked them out of the World Cup, and and uh, Manchester, they're getting a little bit sick of New Zealand. I would imagine there's uh, a little bit of teeth to what they're about to do.
5: Yeah, I think so. And then you add into the mix the new coach and Rahul Drubbard. Um You know, I, I, apart from, I think the two hardest assignments in cricket these days is playing India and India and Australia and Australia. Um, so I don't think we're under any illusions. Um, that's going to be a, an easy one. Then you add in us beating them in the final, I think. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a tough tour with that, but I'm sure with that extra edge of losing, I think, will be some great motivation for them.
3: Uh, what's the hardest thing about batting over there, mate? Uh
5: obviously playing spin and um, and then the reverse swing ball. I think uh, trusting your defence early on against spin when there's so many people around the bat, um, and uh, obviously it's conditions that we're totally foreign to. But um, you know, been there a few times and. Uh, <laughs> probably a, a given but um, you know winning the toss is a, <laughs> plays a big part I think mm. uh, so no pressure on Kane um, to, to get the call right in those first few tests but um, no uh, as I said it's, it's a great place to play cricket but um, it's definitely one of the toughest.
3: Tell us what it's like to face uh, Ravi Ashwin because uh, he'll be a starter there'll be no two ways about that. Um, tell us what you look for when, uh, when facing him.
5: Yeah, I think it's, it's subtle variations of you know what has made him such a good bowler um, over a long period of time. Um, you have got to be careful of um, the inside and the outside edge. Um, he nicked me off a couple of times last year. I think because he has a leg slip and a bat pad a lot of the time, especially when you come out early, you sort of you feel like you got to cover the in, the inside edge where you know he got me out on the outside edge. Um, you know, I think you have got to watch the ball from the hand as, as early as possible. Um, trust your defence and. Yeah, I mean, you've got Karen balls and, and, you know, quite often the ball that actually skids on is just as dangerous as the one that turns a lot.
3: Um,
5: But no, not only him, uh, Dadeja and Co are are going to be a handful.
3: So are you just out and out expecting dry spinning surfaces from day one?
5: Um, Yeah, well, I mean, they played against England last, well, I think it was, um, you know, beginning of the year. And the first week it was pretty flat. Um, and then England won, and then the next three tests were Dunsons. Were so, um, yeah, I think we're going over there with the expectation that they're going to be Dunsons. If, if there's anything different, well, then we'll just have to play Cornwall.
3: Right, so um, I'm just looking at the squad, which was announced uh, earlier this morning, and the, the two glaring omissions for me are uh, Colin de Gronholm and Trent Bolt. So out of the five bowlers that you basically used to win the World Test Championship final... Uh, you won't have uh, two of them. So um, that makes it uh, uh, quite interesting. Uh, not that they'd, you'd probably use five seam bowlers in India anyway.
5: Yeah, I mean, um, if anything, it's probably made the decision uh, for the selectors a lot easier um, not, not having them. Um, Colin, is probably, you're probably going to go in with a spinning all-round if we did go in. Um, and then KJ's the first locked in in the fast bowling ranks. so... Um, now it's it's a toss up between Saudi and and Wagner. Uh, if Bob was there, then obviously he would have been added into the mix. But um, it's a good problem to have. Um, yeah, we'll just to wait and see once we get over
3: there. Well, I mean, it's not like they haven't got good quick bowlers as well. And yeah, Let, let's be honest. I mean, you look at uh, Ishan Sharma, who's been a great servant for a long time. Uh, you've got Mohammed Shami, and you've got uh, of course Jasper at Bumrah. So. Before you even think about spin it doesn't pay to be too focused on that, does it? Because uh, there's a bit coming at you first.
5: Yeah, I mean, and they know their conditions very well. And um, that SG ball, if it does swing, it does swing for for those first five to ten overs. But um, obviously with Tom Latham and, and even Conway, I mean, the, opening the um, batting with, you know, Ashwin might be a one-end, but it's definitely going to be a chamois or... Or boomer at the other so um you know they're great exponents with the new ball but also know um you know how to bowl on those middle stages and and when the ball starts reversing uh, you know that's some of the best exponents of them
3: uh Ajaz patel of course has been in the same boat as you he hasn't been able to play any cricket so uh, like you he's had to be uh, i suppose a bit inventive with his training process but he's going to have uh the responsibility uh, of course, of uh, being our front-line spinner uh, as we look at the squad now. Uh, what have you noticed about... You stand at first slip to him a lot. What have you noticed about the de- development of Ages Patel's game?
5: Yeah, I mean, he, he bowls a lot of overs and you know his, his subtle variations on the crease um, and the way he spins the ball has been fantastic. I mean, the way he you know, probably won the test match for us um, single-handedly against Pakistan and UAE um, for a guy on... Um, you know, his first tour to to have dominated as he is. Um but as a team as you said we'll be looking to our spinners to, to make impact and um it's gonna be his first trip to to India, um, the country of his birth. I'm sure he's gonna be really looking forward to that and have a lot of family and, and things around him. But um, you know, it's an exciting time but at the same time, you know, India are a very good players to spin, uh, and probably haven't faced a lot of, of Ajaz, but um, you know, we'll be looking to him to, to take those early wickets and um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, for his sake, can give me a few, or for my sake, I can take a few of those catches that, um, that
3: they present. Yeah, absolutely. Now, listen, uh, we when we spoke to you last, it was after the World Test Championship, and I, I just uh, we, we we talked about that. You know, how long you want to play for? I mean, uh, this little layoff that you've had with absolutely no cricket contact, as such, has that made you really hungry again?
5: Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I can definitely not say that I'm I'm overdone <clears throat> by any stretch of the imagination, but I think um, yeah, you know, I'm definitely definitely hungry, and I still want to pick up a bat when I'm walking around the house. Um, and for me, that's always a good sign that I, I want to play cricket. You're a long time retired, and uh, you know it's probably one of the last times I tour the subcontinent. So you know you got to enjoy the um, you know the small things, and it is a great place to tour, um, and yeah, we'll just, we'll just have to wait and see uh, how it goes and you know, test cricket doesn't come around for us that often so you've got to make the most of uh, the opportunities in this day and age.
3: So that first test November 25th, uh, so that's uh, around about uh, 20 days away, 19, days away. So uh, what are you able to do? I mean, you're, I think you leave Monday at some stage. So what are you able to do cricket-wise um, to get yourself tuned when you get there? Yeah, it's just
5: just training. Um, we've got a three-day quarantine uh, when we arrive, um, and then we were able to train. Um, we have to follow the 2020 team around because they don't want to run two two bubbles. Um, so we train the morning of the of the 2020 games, um, and then we fly off to different venues. So it is going to be a disjointed type of um, preparation, um, but it is what it is, and and those. You know, three or four days when we do get to or after the 2020 um, series is over is going to be be crucial to to obviously trust trust that your preparation has been right. But um, you know, if there's ever a time in my career that I can deal with you know not having a hit and not playing for, for five or six months, it's it's towards the end of my career when I suppose your experience has to come to the fore.
3: Uh, Roscoe, uh, you've been uh, doing a little bit of work for for Sky TV on the, the panel, etc. Uh, reviewing uh, and previewing the, the performances, particularly of the Black Cap squad over there at the moment. Um, what do you make of our uh, our chances? Having seen most teams in action now over a concerted period of time, and this, we're getting to the business end of the competition. How do you see it um, sort of panning out, playoff wise?
5: Yeah, I think um, you know the team are tracking in the right direction. Um, obviously, that win over India was was crucial, and the confidence they got from that. Um, that Afghanistan game, I think, um, is going to be the biggie. Uh, if, we can, if we can win that game, then it takes all the net run rates and, and things out of play, but uh, the Indian, all the Indian fans will be looking towards that game, um, and we don't want to give India or, or Afghanistan a sniff because India do have that last game against Namibia. that if, they do, if it does come down to run rate, uh, they have the, the upper hand to, to know what they have to get. Um, but no, I think the team are going good. It was nice for Gene Phillips to get a, a run the other day um, and score um, to have a bat. He didn't bat against India. Um, but no, I think, you know, as it looks at the moment, it's going to be a New Zealand uh, England semi final and um, probably Australia uh, Pakistan. So if they can get to that semi final, once again, you're only two wins away from winning the World Cup, which um, would be fantastic.
3: What are the dangers that? Uh, that you see Afghanistan present to us? Well,
5: they've probably got the two best spinners in the, in the tournament and Rashid Khan and Majib. Um, Majib didn't play against India um, that, where they were convincingly beaten. Um, I think the one thing that's going in, in our favour is obviously our mystery spinners and um, a, lot of, a lot of our players are never faced, um, or especially Rashid Khan, who plays with Kane uh, at IPL. But it's a day match, so I think um, you know sometimes not being able to pick their variations under lights can be tough. Um, so playing them during the day should be a little bit easier to pick um, that. But you know it's, it's whether those India uh, the uh, batsmen can post a, a decent enough total um, to give their their bowlers uh, an opportunity or, or chase down whatever they give have given them. But um, you know how how Manan and and Kaimal play, uh, I think will play a big part into to
3: the success against that bowling line So, uh, and of course because uh, you're in um, New Zealand touring cricket side you're, you're okay uh, MIQ wise we're still hearing stories about individuals overseas who just can't get spots to get home some might even get home for Christmas um, people I've been talking to but you, you guys, um, uh, you, you sort of had those booked quite some time ago once the tour was, was mooted
5: Yeah, I guess so. I' bit above my pay grade but um, I think we're, we're lucky that New Zealand cricket um, deal with all all that stuff as a team collectively, um, and then you know even um, you know some of the some of the staff getting home is, is lucky compared to as you said a lot of these individual sports um, who don't have uh, access to to their boards and things um, being able to do that. So we're very lucky, and um, you know hopefully as a country we can get there sooner rather than later. And, and even these um, seven day sounds a bit more appealing and, uh, you know, hopefully that can come in and, and we can fit a few more Kiwis, not only sportsmen, but, uh, you know, a lot of Kiwis who are stuck overseas uh, to see their families for Christmas.
3: Yeah, it's a tough situation, all right. It's good to know that you guys can, can get home in plenty of time. Uh, hey, mate, look, all the best. Um, I know you're you've, uh, probably actually looking forward to packing for the first time for a while because you love your cricket, so... <laughs> Uh, enjoy it, enjoy it, um, play well, uh, it's going to be a real challenge. Can't wait can't wait to see you guys in action, look forward to it. Travel well. Cheers, mate. Yep, Ross Taylor there, folks, um, who's uh, charged with the responsibility, along with uh, that top order, to withstand, uh, first of all, the uh, Indian seam attack and swing attack, and then, of course, uh, the spinners will be on pretty quickly if they don't have any success. It's tough. Significance of these two test matches... Well, our uh, are the first two Test matches as we look to defend the World Test Championship. They have meaning. Uh, they have considerable meaning. Uh, to go over there and to beat India on their uh, own track would be a hell of a way to start your defence. I can promise you that. So what do you make of this, uh, this team? I find this quite interesting, this selection. I-, I really do. I don't quite understand the Trent Bolt situation. I, I really don't. Um, he's going to be in a bubble anyway when he comes home. He's going to be... He has to do two weeks of, of, uh, of MIQ when he comes home. My understanding is anyway. So why would he not stay on for another two weeks anyway? Take part in a couple of test matches or we'll be available to take part in a couple of test matches. And, and then, uh, and, and then of course, uh, come home and have your breather then. Uh, I, don't, I don't quite get it. Colin de Gronholm, I'm uh, not sure you see, they're not going to play five seam bowlers, and yeah, they're not going to play five seam bowlers. Colin de gronholm has been away a long time, but you've also got to remember, in Bolton de Gronholm's situations, a lot of them being away from home is personal choice. They haven't been on tour with New Zealand sides. Trent Bolt's been playing the IPL, quite happy to go and play the IPL, uh, and came home before he went to the IPL, which was another two weeks of MIQ, uh, and then Colin de Gronholm, of course, uh, he's been playing in England as well. Uh, so the, these guys have been plying their trade around. Uh, so I, I find it quite interesting that when it comes to playing test cricket for New Zealand, um, they choose to take a break and opt out of the tour, as we've been told. So it's an interesting one, uh, a really interesting one for me, dear. Do You see anything in that? Um, would Trent Bolt have been picked in the first three seamers? Uh, Cole Jamieson, probably the first choice. Tim Southey. Uh, Neil Wagner on those dry surfaces when the ball gets a bit older, right up his alley, I think he's a given. So would Bolt have actually been picked in the first place? It's an interesting one in itself. Uh, but certainly uh, it's been announced that he's coming home for, uh, I guess, personal reasons. <clears throat> Sick to death of being in a quarantine bubble. What do you make of that? Uh, what are the prospects uh, for the All Blacks this weekend? Are you fired up about it? Double eight, double three, double eight, double three is our number uh, there's plenty to talk about. Hear from you shortly.
2: This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yeah,
3: very interesting. Uh, we haven't had any text in as yet, apart from uh, from Simon to say goodbye, universe boss. Yeah, uh, That's another thing you could come in on. What, did, what are your impressions of Chris Gale? I'm forecasting that's it for him. Uh, he hasn't uh, said anything. Uh, the West Indies... Bundled out of the tournament quite early on in the piece, and again getting beaten this morning by a pretty underperforming Sri Lankan side as well. So uh, they're gone, and, and there's a team which uh, boasted a pretty handy batting lineup, but they just couldn't get it together. When you've got Bravo batting at number nine, Dwayne Bravo at nine, goodness me, how strong are you? Uh, and they still couldn't get it done. Uh, they're just not the unit. They're just not a unit. Too many eyes and not enough T's for team, and and. West Indies cricket at the moment particularly. So uh, that'll be uh, the end of the road for a couple of them, I'm forecasting anyway. Uh, as I said, Ravi Rumpol, um, honestly, uh, he's been around for so long and he, he spearheads the bowling attack. Uh, this is uh, very interesting. Uh, Chris has come in and said Bolt wants to come home. You can't blame him for that. Uh, he's had enough. He has had enough. There you go. Um, okay, so fair enough. Uh, I just wonder about the makeup of that side too. Um, what happens if one of those quick bowlers uh, breaks down? Breaks down in the nets before um, the series. Breaks down in the first day of the first test. Hell, it's not like it doesn't happen to us. It's happened all around the joint. Uh, then you're only left with two bowlers bare. Uh, that is uh, thinning it a wee bit. They've taken a punt on a lot of areas. Real emphasis on spin. Mitchell Santner back in the side. Uh, to me, to be perfectly honest, what has what uh, Mitchell Santner done to get back in the test side? Dunno. Uh, Lots of interesting, interesting conundrums about that side. We haven't even talked about the all-black side yet. Uh, We will later on in the piece. Uh, 9.30, 9.30 here on SENZ. Well, it's almost as if uh, the NPC has uh, been a little bit more prominent here at home than the last two or three weeks of All Black Rugby because of the standard of the opposition and uh, the fact that they're a long way from home. Certainly, it appears that if you look at the tally the uh, with the Ranfley Shield, etc., an absorbing NPC competition. So uh, let's focus on that now as uh, we chat to, to Paul Tito, of course, uh, former Taranaki player and Wellington NPC assistant coach now. Uh, the playoffs have come early. For Canterbury this weekend, they take on Bay of Plenty, but also for Wellington, who travel to Blenheim to face defending champions uh, Tasman. Uh, Paul, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Morning, Smitty. All right, boy, how's it going down there in Wellington?
5: Yeah, it's been good, eh? It's, um, it's obviously been nice to get back into New Zealand rugby, and um, we've got a massive game this again. It's kind of like a quarter final, really. Uh table's nice and tight. Uh, it's been great competition, You've loved at Hawks Bay, and have done a bloody, uh, bloody awesome job, and and they really lead the way.
3: They have, uh, they have, and and uh, for Wellington, it's it's been a, a sort of a mixed season, I, I think it's uh, fair to say. What what are the things you haven't been quite finishing off?
5: Yeah, we've been inconsistent. Obviously, we started well. Um, you know, the the, the Waikato game sticks to mind, where you know we were bloody good for fifty minutes, and then we were poor for 30, um, you know, that's most probably uh, uh, sums up our season really, a little bit inconsistent but, uh, you know what I mean, we're a team that I know teams would fear you know, when, when we have our day we're we're, we're we're a good team so, you know, like I said, it's a big game down in Tasman um, you know, they're a formidable, formidable outfit, um, really strong at set piece and we're in a illusion how tough it'll be to go down there and win but we know, we know if, if we're really on the job, we can get the job done
3: so coming off a couple of uh, non-competition games, so uh, uh, last minute win over South Southland, a tight loss to Otago. So uh, playing with no points, how have you been able to 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 sort of simulate a, a sort of a playoff situation there? Have the players still been mentally up for it, knowing that at the end of the day, win lose really doesn't matter on the table.
5: Yeah, it was an interesting couple of weeks. Um, obviously, we played Southland. We we rotated quite a few of the guys. We got some guys from the squad battered Trained all year with us, and and earned the right to have a game. We you know we rotated the squad a bit, and underneath uh, we had more of a mindset of going down there with a with a more of a main kind of test lineup to to get ready for for the big game. So we've got a, um, a good environment down here in Wellington, and, and and we know we know what it's going to take to be Tasman. So we're, we're building for this game, and um, yeah, we're building nicely. Obviously, to sit back and watch the, the Tasman Canterbury game was good for us to as coaches to to nail our um know our plan against Tasman and, and be ready
3: for them. Your area of expertise obviously in that type five area uh Paul so uh the line outs in particular you've had uh the added height and experience of uh Dom Bird uh Dominic Bird alongside James Blackwell this year. Uh so a couple of uh, pretty experienced campaigners there.
0: Yeah good
5: Good, good men um you know still still willing to learn and, and and really grow their game, so really enjoyed working with with blackie and Dom. um coached against Dom over and and when for he was operating for for racing where they had an outstanding defensive line out so it's actually nice to um to actually be on his side of the ledger for a change
3: yeah it's um <clears throat> it's nice to see him back and and uh, still hungry to play I, and i think it's a good sign for people. You know, who ply their trade overseas, um, make a few bucks, but still want to contribute back here. He's uh, he's one of uh, of quite a few that do that, and I think it's really healthy to go back in at that level, don't you?
5: Yeah, it's been great for our team. You know, someone with his leadership has can only be good for New Zealand rugby. You know, I think I think it's been a, there's been a few more of this kind of carry on going on, Smitty, because of the COVID. You know, everyone's myself included. You know, we we were second... In France and um, I had another season to go but it was pretty tough on the family and um, you know the decision to come back to lovely old New Zealand was pretty sim- a, a simple one so that's how um, you know I think a lot of these older guys have come back in, into MPC but
1: for me it's
5: uh, it's massive growth for the, for the younger generation if they can have these guys like Dom Bird and you know, Jack Lamb and Liam Messon and these kind of guys operating their team I think you can learn yeah. a lot from them and you know, and, and much will be, in all respect, all the coaches, you know what I mean? And I'm one of them is, uh,
1: you know I mean? They learn
5: a lot from those senior guys and, and much will be more than, you know, in, in the dark places they're playing with them so they actually feel them and, and see what it's actually like.
3: So let's look at um, the development of a, another player, of course, uh, Tane Plumtree, son of. Uh, how's his progress uh, playing on the side of the scrum?
5: Tane's a great athlete, you know, he's... um. He's he's quick in the wide channel. Um, he's got a little bit of work to do in his set piece stuff, but you know, he's been chipping away at that and and trying to improve him to that next level where he where he wants to go. You know, in Super Rugby, he's got a contract with the Blues for the next two years, so you know, he needs to be better in his little detail and a little bit a little bit harder on himself to make sure he is is learning that little detail stuff. But uh, he's a, he's a great athlete. Um, he's he, he'll roll up his sleeves and and and, and we need him to perform. You know, week in, week out if we're going to be knocking on the door uh, in, in three weeks' time.
3: Let's look at, uh, you managed to, as you say, have a good look at uh, Tasman in action just uh, a week ago. So where do you, where do you fancy targeting them? <laughs> I
5: don't want to say too much, but hey, you know, i always talk about their strength. You know, their set pieces is, yeah. is always good. You know, I've got some big boys up front. I've um, got some great um, variation in their line-out around the 22, so... If we're going to be ill-disciplined and, and and give them that leg up into that space, you know they've got they've got great variety in there. So you know we we know it's going to be tough. Um, we can control that kind of stuff. You know, I said to the boys yesterday, you know, it's Are right you going to give penalties as a way? But it's clear and obvious stuff that we need to keep out. So it's the offside, it's the hands on the ground when you're going for a jackal. it's the you know when you're off your feet going for a jackal. it's leaving those and and being really disciplined and backing
3: out the for me, is going to be the key. You've, as you said, you've just come back um, from France to, to re-kick into rugby back here. Uh, so All Blacks playing France in uh, a couple of weeks, Paul. How much does it mean to French people uh, to play the All Blacks uh, over there and beat them?
5: Oh, the French. For me, the French are... I mean, I think they're building a really nice team for, for the World Cup. It's going to be in their back and then on their back door. So I think it's a real good test for them. They've got young guys, they've got coaches that are um that have changed the culture in the in the in the French team, you know. Like they've had a few older guys in there that was much more pulling back. They've got rid of all them. They're a powerful unit. Um you know, I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be the test match of the of the of the tour. I uh, and, and and I think it's gonna be a, a, a bloody tight game. If uh, so I was to sit here and say that um, the All Blacks were going to win comfortably, I don't think this is going to be true. Uh, the French are passionate people, as we know, and they'll be right up for the 80 minutes that they'll, they'll get this chance to go against the black jersey.
3: Now, let's look at, at uh, Paul Tito. Let's look at yourself. Now, you've signed with the force, so along with Mark Ozich, you'll be heading over to, to Perth at some stage uh, in the near future to get sorted out there. Uh, how did that come about, Paul? Yeah,
5: I was, you know, it's um, funny old world is rugby. Um, I was sitting at home and my wife had just signed for a new job, and I was like, "Can't stay around and 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 be around the kids." And next minute, I had um, I had a, I had a message from the the CEO of the Twisted Force who's got good uh good uh Kiwi connections, and he's like, "What are you up to next year?" And I was just like, nah. Didn't really have anything at the moment. Um, obviously, with COVID, not too many people were leaving New Zealand <laughs> rugby, which is uh, which is obviously understandable because New Zealand's a great place to be. So why would you leave? And yeah, so, so from there, I had a couple of interviews and and got offered of the job. Obviously, with Mark and and there's a couple of other Kiwis over there for the and, um and, and and the academy manager at All Kiwi. So I think there's a Kiwi flavour over there. Uh, really looking forward to getting over and working with the boys and um, and, and trying to make the force a you know competitive competitive team in, in Super Rugby.
3: So, what what will you be your main areas of, of focus on that squad? I'm going to be the Ford coach, so yeah, Mark will be doing the
5: attack and I'll be do, I'll be doing the Fords.
3: Okay, cool. Uh, okay, just uh, just finally, uh, it's been a tough week again on the non playing side of rugby with the announcement uh, about uh, a guy I'm sure you played a bit of rugby against, Carl Heyman, uh, this uh, early onset dementia, which is terrible news of course and the concussion issues raise their ugly head again. Uh, what about your days of playing? Uh, can, can we just um, just touch on, on your experiences with concussion and how you view the whole scenario? Yeah, it's a
0: certain
5: one for me. You know, I've I had my own um, issues with concussion at the back end of my career and, and throughout my career. Um you know, especially something I don't I don't like to read into too much. I obviously know Carl Well and we've discussed discussed the matter since he's been back from England when he had some tests. And it's bloody hard on 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 everyone and especially Carl which um there's nothing that we wanna see. But I think you know, I think the generation this day and age, um and I mean I think we're we're a lot uh we're upskilled in this in this space now. There's doctors and 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 television people watching for concussions. So I think that we're we're a lot better educated. And I think moving forward we're going to be we're going to be fine. But at the moment, you know, what I mean, we're going to have these we're going to have some of these guys um, of our generation maybe struggling in this space. It's a it's a horrible thing, Smitty. But um, yeah, it's uh, it kind of is what it is because we, we didn't really know any better back in our day.
3: No, and it's a to me, I look at it as a side of the sideline. I, I see some of those clashes and I, I see the end result of some of them. and, and I watch the doctors busily at work uh, around all their screens looking uh, for contact before and after and, and the reaction of players. Uh, it relies a lot, too, I reckon, uh, Paul, on the, on, the, uh, on the honesty and the openness of the individual involved because it, it is it's almost a hidden injury concussion. I mean, you know, if you're a pretty tough cookie. You can uh, you can almost disguise it. So I think it re- uh, that sort of thing that to me has to be stressed a wee bit. Uh, it has to be open and honest for the people on the receiving end.
5: One hundred percent. You know, you, you, the only person that knows really deep down is yourself, and you need to be honest with yourself. And I think there's, you know, there's more and more stuff coming out like Carl was, then you know, I think you've got to be more and more honest with yourself. You know, it's like a, it's, it's like a it's like a player that's getting fitness tested on a Friday and he's got a bit of a tight hand only he knows mm. if he actually really is, is right for the game it's the same for me. Yeah. you know I always put it back on the player and go "Guy, hey mate like, the physio the, the doc can say what they want only you know and it's the same mm. with the concussion be honest <laughs> with yourself because you know what I mean like there's plenty of games of rugby to play and you know if you do if you make a poor decision then you can have the, the effects all, your whole life and it's uh, like you said Smitty
3: that's a great message, actually. It's a good way to finish, actually, Paul. So thanks very much for your time this morning. Uh, hey, good luck against uh, Tasman. hope uh, the Lions can get up down there in Blenheim. Uh, and more importantly, uh, the force as you look to continue your coaching career. All the best with that uh, that job as well.
5: Cheers, buddy. Hey,
3: Have a good day. Yep, cheers. Great talking to you. Uh, Paul Tito, of course, Taranaki legend, wasn't he? Taranaki, absolute Taranaki legend. So we've had a bit of a Taranaki week. We've talked to... Uh, half the Barrett family, and now uh, Paul Tito as well. And, uh, uh, of course, Carl Heyman is living in the Taranaki area as well. So big focus on on that region and rugby, uh, particularly on this station this week. It is 9.44 here on SENZ.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Yeah, some good texts have come in this morning. Uh, Chris has come in with uh, Smokey. Just a random question: Do you think the Black Caps are the most successful team in the world per tosses lost? And uh, other words, have gone on to win from having uh, not had the option at the at the start of the game. Good point. I wouldn't know the stats on that, but um, I wouldn't mind betting the in recent times that's the case because Kane Williamson not the most successful. Stephen Fleming couldn't win one for a while there. Uh, Brendan McCullum wasn't that successful either as uh, a captain when it came to calling or tossing the coin. Uh, Yet we still do well. So that's a good point, Chris. Uh, There will be someone out there with an anorak on who's working on that right here and now. Uh, So we'll probably come up with an answer at some point. Uh, Santner shouldn't be in the team. He's not threatening enough, and Test Cricket is all about taking 20 wickets. I'd rather see Williamson bowling than Santner, but in reality, we should uh, chance our own with young blood rather than flog a dead horse. Uh, Matt, I'm with you on that. I, I I've got to say, I didn't I didn't uh, think he'd be in this inside. Uh, when they pick Santner for me, it's more batting insurance than for bowling strength. Uh, but then again, he has got a Test century um, against uh, England from memory, uh, but not a lot, not enough Test wickets to say he can bowl India out. I'm with you on that. Hey, Smithy, after seeing a few photos of uh, between the Black Caps and Scotland, do you know if it's common to switch jerseys in cricket? And other sports was just a rugby thing. No, no, I swapped a lot of shirts, plain shirts. Um, back in the day, though, uh, to be honest, we just used white flannel shirts for test matches. We didn't have names or numbers on the back, so there's not a lot of point, actually, in swapping a white flannel shirt for a white flannel shirt. Uh, then you, they brought in the, uh, the, the, the the black fern on the white shirt, and then they became a much more desirable uh, item. And the Australians, of course, had the crest on theirs. The English had the three lines. So... Yeah, they were. Uh, there was a lot of uh, gear swapping going, going on, uh, and then uh, you end up getting requests from people around the country for uh, memorabilia so to add to auction stuff, and uh, quite quickly disappears. There's another one from Zane, which we'll touch on a little bit later this morning about uh, the story that Staffy broke yesterday. Uh, and uh, I won't be ignoring it, Zane, don't worry. 9.53 here on SENZ when we come back. Uh, multi with a Difference time today.
2: Voice of Sport in New Zealand. <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Okay,
3: let's uh, look at um, multi for the weekend. Uh, Normally we have a bit of Kenny Rogers there. We'll save Kenny today, so uh, we'll just get straight into it and look at yesterday's one. Uh, We have Celtics to beat Orlando. Orlando, They did. Uh, Brooklyn to beat Atlanta. They did. Uh, Portland to beat Cleveland they didn't they missed out by three points it was a niff and tuck game I was watching it uh, on um, my app and and, uh, I just thought that uh, Portland were going to get up in that last quarter they simply didn't and Australia well it just didn't beat Bangladesh they gave them a cricketing lesson this morning so we were close very very close but uh, today I'm going to pass the baton I've had enough of losing I hate the thought of losing another one
2: so, uh, Mr. Producer Sir, Mr. John Day, it's over to you. Yeah, that's why I didn't press the sting, Smithy. It's not that I forgot. I, I wouldn't forget. It's just it's not Smithy's multi today. It's mine, and it's probably not going to go great because I've done it with my heart. So, Tasman to beat Wellington, dollar forty-seven. Canterbury to beat Bay of Plenty, a dollar thirty. Springboks to beat Wales, a dollar twenty-three. And the All black Smithy, I reckon minus fifty-five point uh, five points against Italy. That's a dollar eighty and four dollars twenty-three you'll get a return if you put a dollar on that. So give it a hoon if you want. My tipping and NPC uh, hasn't been great. So we'll see how it goes, Smithy. OK, good luck with that. Absolutely good luck with that.
3: Um, so it's John's take on his mouldy this weekend.
2: And it's the time new with SEMZ. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Old Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Our
3: summer is just around the corner. Uh, Look out the window here in Hawke's Bay at the moment. That's a pretty big corner. Uh, It looks horrible out there. There will be no beach uh, activity this weekend, I can assure you. Uh, But overall, that does mean heading to the beach, doesn't it? And uh, I think we can all do that under current COVID restrictions, or can we? And what do we have to do? Uh, Surf Life Saving have had some restrictions to deal with. I read an interesting article about this the other day, and I've been very keen to get... uh, somebody on from Surf Life Saving, and we've managed to uh, secure Alan Mundy this morning, who is the National Search and Rescue Manager. Uh, Alan, uh, thanks very much for your time.
6: No problem
3: at all. Now, listen, um, Surf Patrol started uh, a couple of weekends ago uh, with fewer lifeguards in Auckland and Northland and uh, Waikato, etc. Why is that? What we're doing is we're making really sure that our
7: lifeguards Understand what the risks are and so part of the risk profile obviously is um, large numbers in buildings at like our houses. so what we've done is mm. we've been working with the lifeguards over the last three to six months to um, work out plans so that when they are patrolling we can keep the risk of um, close contacts down to a minimum but yet still at the same time supply the best possible safety um, for the beachgoers
3: so some clubs have decided um, to patrol from lifeguard towers only, as you say you just mentioned. Uh, meanwhile, there'll be uh, no flag, meaning there'll be no flags on the beach in those ones, uh, while others will not operate at all. So uh, I always go back to life, uh, life-saving rules or um, you know tips for safety, and they always say, uh, swim between the flags. And I, I think it's pretty clear and obvious why. Uh, so some of the beaches won't have those this time around. Is that right?
7: Um, that's right. but a, a bit of clarification. When we talk about observational patrols, um, <clears throat> we will have people in towers. But at the same time, during an observational patrol, our lifeguards will be on the beaches. They'll be out in uh, our vehicles, our jet skis, IRBs, but even on foot patrols. We're, we're, we're outside. The risk is diminished um, immensely, and we will still be working with the public, um, but obviously keeping our social distancing, you know, a couple of metres, and, and we will be masked up in... Um, uh, you know dense populations so we will still be there the observational patrol um, it sounds like we're just sitting in the tower but they're actually not we're quite active um, when yeah. we believe that there is not a need for the flags we feel that the risk profile is quite low because same thing is when we do put the flags up it's it's encouraging people to get close together I mean some of our flags you know, Mount Wominui main beach the people are really close together and so when we believe it's safe enough not to run the flags we will still have a patrol on it'll be an observational patrol and we ask people if they're unsure look at the clubhouse and if a red yellow flag is flying be rest assured there will be lifeguards on the beach carrying out those observational patrols if the red yellow flags are up obviously um swim between those the only time that we would be um discouraging people to swim is if we're flying a red flag um and and that basically um, is a danger flag, which is saying we don't think it's safe to swim on this particular beach. We will still have lifeguards managing that risk, but we won't be running those patrols. So um the, the patrol flag. So those are the types of messaging that you know it's really critical to get out to the public.
3: so what what you're actually uh, in a way saying is what we as uh, swimmers, potential beach guys, et cetera, uh, I think We have a greater responsibility then um, to be aware of the dangers and being aware of the situation because for me, uh, that red flag thing is a totally new thing. Uh, so uh, we as swimmers, we as parents of children swimming have to be just a little bit more vigilant this time around? Definitely. I think we
7: need to do a little bit more pre-planning before we leave home, uh, check the weather Check the beach conditions, and um, you know we're recommending that if the beach conditions are, you know, a couple of meters on the um, the surf side, is look for a harbour beach to swim in, um, especially if you've got little children. They'll still have a really good time, but um, along with that approach, you, can, you yourself can really minimise that risk of getting into any trouble. Um, so, yeah, we're asking the public um, to to do a little bit extra this year, just like our lifeguards are having to work quite hard to to work within. Those um, that public health messaging, um, we're no different than anybody else with regards to how we operate. We want to keep ourselves safe as well. Last thing we want is COVID to to infiltrate a patrol because that will take that whole beach out of out of circulation. Mm. So um, yeah, we are asking the public to um, be a little bit more vigilant and just remember those those key messages. You know, yep, if there's flags on the beach, swim between the flags. If not, um, you know, look after each other. Don't swim alone know your limitations and if you're with kids work to their limitations not your limitations often we'll um, you know have to go in and rescue people and the poor dad's in a lot of strife and kids are alongside him so it's really important that you um, work to the lowest common denominator in your group with regards to that um, safety.
3: Alan uh, when we go shopping etc uh, supermarkets retail whatever if we're allowed to these days Uh, We have to uh, wear masks and and scan QR codes. Uh, What is the situation for us when going to the beach in those two areas? Really
7: good question. Um, All of the surf clubs will have a QR code on the building. So um, we urge people, if they see a QR code anywhere along the the approaches to the um, beach, scan and I do um, know that in some areas where there's very popular beach accesses, uh, the councils are putting up QR codes. So be vigilant on those, those areas. Um, the other thing to do is, yes, if you are engaging with our lifeguards, um, we really hope that you will um, put masks on. Just while you're talking to our guys, we'll have masks on as well. Um, and you might even see, you know, heaven forbid, if we have to treat someone for first aid or anything like that, we, we will put masks on the, the, the people, especially if they're unconscious. So it's just, we try very hard to minimise the risk of any COVID coming from either the us or from the public to us.
3: A sensitive issue these days, um, the word vax is so sensitive. Um, are lifeguards uh, required to be double vaxed? Do you, do you know? So
7: we're going through that at the moment. We're working with the um, public health officials, um, with regards to vaccinations. We've, got, we've strongly recommended through our medical director um, that all lifeguards need to seek um, uh, out to get vaccinated. Um, and yet, we, you know, we're, we're a membership of 19 and a half thousand, and there's bound to be mm. people who, because of medical reasons, just can't do that. So we're working through those processes with our membership at the moment. But, um, yeah, we're following the, the, the um, same line as the, the the health services and the government, and that is um, telling all our members that they really need to get vaccinated to, to protect them from, um, you know, that
5: dirty old COVID.
3: Well, there's, a, there's a, a bit of a warning here, I guess, when you, you look at this, because uh, I've been watching Australia, uh, and the, the first thing they do when they get released, the Australians, they go straight to the beach en masse. So there's, I guess there's a little bit of a warning uh, here, a little bit of red flag in itself. Uh, you can expect uh, people in Auckland and Waikato, uh, having been locked down for so long, when they get the chance, they're going to flock to the beach on a decent day. Who wouldn't? Uh, less, less lifeguards uh, around uh, in summer situations. So we've got, uh, we've got a bit of a dangerous combination here to be very wary of, haven't we?
7: Yes, we have. And, um, you know, we, we, we've been looking at what's happened not only in Australia, but also in the United Kingdom. Um, and you bang on, the, the public just, locked to the beach and and for good reasons we've got great beaches doesn't cost a cent and it's a great time but we um, you know like public to keep that in the back of their mind so if if you're um, worried about crowds um, then think twice about the beach you might go to Um, but also we are aware that some of our remote beaches and this happened um, after the last lockdown also had huge numbers of people where we don't have lifeguards so, um, mm. you know, that, that whole safety messaging needs to be in the back of people's minds so that if they choose not to go to a popular beach because they're worried about that, that massive crowd that potentially could turn up, is to think about the beach that they do end up going to. Make sure that they're familiar with it. Um, do some pre-planning. If you get there, ask some locals if you're unsure where the dangerous spots might be. But, um, you know, even in the, in the harbours, um, there are currents. And, and you need to be very aware of those as well. Maraitai is a very, very popular beach and there's some um, very strong currents there. So same thing as, you know, please do your homework um, before you go. Uh, if in doubt, stay out and um, just take a cautious approach and I think we'll be able to mitigate those huge crowds turning up to the Coromandel, the Bay of Plenties, which generally get smashed during the holidays. And And we are preparing ourselves for that, that um, tsunami of humans coming out of Auckland. We're not locked down um, lifts, um, but obviously we can all do our part to assist with managing
3: that safety. Alan, uh, thanks very much for your time this morning and uh, good luck for a very uh, hot but safe summer. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a pressure time, so uh, thank you. Uh, we've got Ben Kennings on the line, who is the Surfing New Zealand general manager. We spoke to Ben prior to the Olympics, Uh, when we sent uh, surfers there for the first time but this is a different issue and with the pressure on surf life saving surfing new zealand has decided to step up and start an initiative to get surfers trained to rescue people at our beaches not just ride boards so uh good morning to you ben tell us tell us about this uh this great initiative the surfers rescue 24 7. yeah
8: morning ian um the initiative actually came out of surfing new south wales so they worked with Surf Life Saving Australia um, over the ditch and they just said, hey, surfers are in the water from 6am till 9pm if there's good waves. Um, they surf right across the beach and if they can support Surf Life Saving or Surf Life Saving New Zealand, then why not um, uh, upskill the surfers in our community to help with those rescues? They already do some rescues and are often the first on the scene because Um, people do swim outside of the flags, Um, so if we can teach them some good techniques, how to use their board properly if a person's unconscious in the water, or if they're struggling, what's the best technique, so this new course goes through some of those skills, and some CPR skills as well, and hopefully we'll be able to make a difference this summer.
3: Well, you you look at these programs like Bondi Rescue and that, which are quite fashionable on TV, and you don't notice that Uh, you you just kind of think it's the guys on the tower on the you know they ride up and down on those four-wheel bikes and off they head as soon as they get to any semblance of a problem out there it's on them but uh, figures have suggested that up to 60 percent of rescues in Australia are actually performed by recreational surfers is is that the kind the same kind of number here?
8: We think it it would be similar so we have uh, 370,000 recreational surfers in New Zealand so there's a lot of people there. Um, I think a lot of the time, outside of the flags, some of those surfers are the first to the rescue and they might not complete it. Uh, they may just keep someone afloat for a while until um, the, the um, surf club guys and girls um, come on the scene. They're The other ones that are looking at the beach with an eagle eye the whole time and they do an amazing job. But if the surfers can chip in and help out and uh, help prevent drownings, then that's got to be a good thing for sure.
3: Always get a bit nervous when you see surfers around masses of people as well, and generally surfers, by and large, tend to surf away from a mass of swimmers in a in a, in a very small area. Uh, but quite often the waves are what they are, and you you, you need to be uh, pretty close by. Um, the surfers, the surfers, ninety percent of our beaches, you know, are unpatrolled. I didn't realise that, so uh, this is a really important initiative in that regard. Yeah, it is. You
8: know, and. Again, it's it's just about helping out, and I think as long as surfers and you're right, they do surf right through into the swimmers. The swimmers are usually somewhere where they can stand, so maybe up to chest deep. Um, But surfers are a bit further out the back, but they finish their waves close in. So um, there's a bit of a danger there, Um, and certainly if surfers usually surf around the rips because that's what creates a good wave. So um, if a swimmer's getting sucked out there then there's often going to be a surfer that's, that's close by surfing in those ropes and that's when they can help You know, when they're first on the scene
3: So Ben, uh, as you said you've got a vast number of recreational surfers out there, so how do you get them how do you contact them, how do you get them to, uh, to get on board with us and to uh, understand the safety and uh, perhaps uh, emergency recovery areas of, of the danger?
8: Yeah, so um, we're just starting to share the um, information across our social media platforms, and with the help of Surf Life Saving New Zealand and the likes of you, Ian, um, getting us on the show as well. Um, we've also partnered up with um, Surf2Surf.com, which is New Zealand one of New Zealand's biggest sporting websites. It has all the uh, the flash cameras that show you all the surf. Um, conditions everywhere. Um, apart from that, we've got these courses. They're a two-hour course. Um, they run through local board riders clubs and surf lifesaving clubs by um, facilitators. Uh, we've got courses in Dunedin on the 20th of November, 21st of November in Christchurch. Then start of December, we've got a string of courses from Waihi Beach, Whangmata, Onimana, and Tairua. And then uh, we're looking to head over to uh, Taranaki at some stage and we've got one at North Pihar on the the 11th of December as well. So just starting to roll out this program, and as we get more facilitators, we'll be able to uh, run them at more beaches.
3: Always good to chat to you, Ben. Uh, Thanks for the update on that. Uh, Lovely initiative, wonderful initiative, actually. I want to get hold of you in a couple of months' time because the surfing nationals uh, uh, are around about that time away and, and more competitions on the horizon. So... I'd love to catch up with you at that point.
8: Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, our national champs are in Westport this year. Um, 10th, to, 10th of January they start. So uh, looking forward to that, um, getting down south and getting some good waves on the west coast.
3: Good on you. Ben Kennings there, folks. Surfing New Zealand general manager, uh, always uh, willing to come on board. And I think that is a great initiative. It really is. You can't have too many people looking out for other people when it comes uh, to uh, swimming in the oceans because uh, our numbers... Our drowning numbers are, are way too high. One's too many, uh, to be fair, isn't it? One is way too many, particularly if the one is close to you. 1018 here on SENZ. When we return, it's an all-female panel today, Kimberly Downs and Ricky Swinnell. The panel Well, there certainly will be big talk and big opinions this morning because our panelists are Kimberly Downs. And Ricky Swinnell, and uh, let's begin with you, Ricky Swinnell. You called a Black Ferns historic loss the other day on the uh, anniversary of their 100th test match. Uh, goodness me, that must have been a bit tough to call. And what are you expecting this time around? Yeah, it,
4: it was, especially when it was, it was four in the morning as well. It was pretty grip and looking. Um, but the Black Ferns were very ordinary, and they were made to look very, very ordinary. And I know they haven't uh, for two years, a, a test match for two years, and think... Uh, that it's a few of them just how big that difference is, how big that gap is. So, um, well, they have to be better. I think they will be better. I, from what I'm hearing, there's going to be some pretty significant changes to the, the team. Um, I think the plan was always to try and get the full squad to play everyone on this tour, and they've only got four games, four tests. Um, so that, I, th- I think there is an element of needing to see what they've got you know what sort of cattle they've got for, for want of a better term, who can hack it at this level and I think a couple of the debutants were probably the ones who, who really did shine out um, last week um, and I guess they know with some of their key senior players exactly what they're going to get. So uh, a big test, England looked really good and, and look, the question I wrote down afterwards is has England moved on? Has England moved the game on in the last two years while the Black Ferns um, were sitting at home? And On the evidence of last week, the answer is yes, but we might know a little bit more after this week.
3: Okay, well, Kimberly, uh, obviously uh, you uh, were watching that uh, with interest as well. Mm -hmm. Um, What what did you make? I think it was a bit of a shock to the system, to be fair, the margin, wasn't it?
4: Yeah, I mean, definitely the margin was. Yes, I was up uh, watching it and happy to listen to Ricky's dulcet tones if I'm going to be up at 3 a.m. as well. It was appreciated. Um, Yeah, I mean, Like Christmas says, it was very ordinary. We probably don't need to go too much into the line-out, which was awful. I think the vast part i kind of got from the campus week is the thing that they were most disappointed in in that game it was actually their physical showing because they were completely overpowered by England. And I think that's something that we'll probably see addressed this week, both in, I guess, the uh, sense around the players who will get another crack, but also some of the changes that I would expect to be Made this week, so I would expect them to come out a lot more physically. Whether or not these changes, whether or not getting that one test under the belt uh, is enough to overturn the result, I would have my doubts because that is, I mean, it's a it's a finely tuned England team that they are up against. But you would expect them to be able to narrow that gap significantly. Um, and I just, yeah, I just think it was really telling of a team that hasn't played a test in two years. And it's not really making excuses for them, I don't think. I think the the fact of the matter is, you know, you can play in the squad as much as you like and talk up that, you know, you've got some of the best talent in the world within your team and you're playing against each other, which we've heard a lot from them over the last couple of years. You can play a Blackburn kind of barbarians match. It's fine, but at the end of the day, it is not the same, as test match. Rugby, it's just not, and so they are having to readjust to that. And I think it probably almost gave them a bit of a fright as to what that next level actually required. And I'm not saying that they would forgotten it, but at the same time, it had been a long time between drinks. So I would expect now that they've had a bit of a refresh of it and a, a bit of a taste and a pretty, you know, a pretty palatable taste of it at that, that they will definitely be better come Monday morning.
3: Uh, Ricky, one of the um the sad stories of the week has been the Carl Heyman one, of course, with, um, uh, with concussion, uh, uh, reflecting now in early-onset dementia at just the age of 41, which is absolutely terrible. I, I just wonder, a lot of focus uh, is on um, men's rugby. What about concussion in, in women's rugby? You know, there's some damn big hits there. It's a very physical game these days. Have you heard any stories or, or, or what they do about it in women's rugby?
4: Yeah, look, I think this is going to be uh, another, uh, among many, a really big coming issue, as it is for the men's game, as it is, I think, for the game as a whole. But for, for the women's game, because, uh, you know, the female players, they, they take the hits differently, um, physiologically different um, as well. And look, in the past, there hasn't, because there's been an issue between, say, in the Farah Parma Cup, where you've got wholly amateur players, some who are coming out of school or club they haven't had the baseline testing even for a start. So um, the other issue is going to be sort of around, around neck injuries and things like that for, for women's players. And what we're going to see next year is uh, more training, bigger training loads, harder games, and as the game grows and grows, more professional. And so, uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a massive issue for the women's game as well. And we're probably not going to have the years of historical data Unfortunately, that that they will have for the men. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's such a it's such a tough one, isn't it? You know, we all love the game, um, but it is a real reckoning that so many of us who watch it and love it and, and comment on it uh, are going to have to deal with over the, over time. Because what we're seeing from from at the moment these men, but I think what will be from these women eventually too, is some some awful awful stuff that is affecting countless lives.
3: Yeah. Uh, Ricky Swinnell with us uh, this morning, along with Kimberly Downs. Take a short news break. When we come back, a couple more rugby issues, more pleasant ones to talk about, uh, and uh, and some other matters too around the, the world of sport this week.
9: Talk the Opinions, the panel.
2: Talk, 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 talk to me, yeah.
3: Yeah. Ricky Swinnell and Kimberly Downs with us this morning. Uh, Kimberly, the All Blacks play uh, Italy this weekend. Yes, they do. Believe it or not, they play Italy this weekend. Um, has... It- has there been, uh, I mean, uh, you know, I, I just uh, hinted on a wee bit this morning, uh, understrength uh, and pretty average USA, understrength and not so good in the second half Wales, and here we go against Italy and people are forecasting another 40 or 50 points. Uh, is, is, is the wow factor disappearing?
4: Oh, I guess relative to what, but I mean, it's it's not an inspired kind of build-up, is it? Build-up week to it. Um, I'm not seeing a huge amount of excitement Right, so the team that's been named this morning. I mean, it's a lot of guys getting opportunities that they'll be wanting. Um, It's probably as much as can really be said about that, which is, you know, which is great. And I will, I've I've got a uh, a newly found title after my last um, appearance on the show, somebody of Miss Taranaki. So I will give a plug to the. uh, locking combination <laughs> uh, there yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, uh, and Josh Lord Taranaki Lock, both born in the 2000s if you want to uh, feel particularly old but really this is um, this is a team that screams you know opportunity risking some guys and giving some guys a bit of a chance doesn't it and that doesn't necessarily help matters when it comes to the build up and it's also
1: uh,
4: I mean it's, it's a bit hard I suppose you know in this COVID bubble they're kind of limited and what they can do to promote the game. But given, I guess, most people probably wouldn't have been too overawed by it in the first place, it would have been nice to probably see a a bit more given to the build-up. You know, whether you get uh, Ian Foster and Karen Crowley together somehow and and do a bit of a a media up with that or something like that. But I I just, you know, we we work and we live and we breathe sport. And I've had very few conversations this week about the All Blacks, I can say.
3: Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty much the same. In fact, you know, we look for guests on the show, and it's almost been uh, a, a case of um, uh, falling back on uh, All Black rugby as opposed to highlighting it, Ricky. You and know, I, I, I don't know that's a, a very good thing to be fair, but it, it just to me, um, they've just had three weeks in a row where they're expected to win handsomely and, and damn well will, and the the competitive side of it just sort of disappears a wee bit
4: yeah yeah. Um, I mean this is this is one that you, you sort of set the my sky for rather than set the alarm for, right? And it's probably not getting up at, at two, two tomorrow morning or Sunday morning whenever it is. I mean, I did the drive show yesterday with thieves and, and we didn't actually touch touch the All blacks. Um, I think we sort of mm. picked a team as a, as a fallback option. um. And in our uh, drive to survive, quiz the, the question that stumped everyone was where is this test being played? Which city? Which um, kind of tells you? So um, very, very low-key build-up. Um, I mean, the tour starts next week, doesn't it? Islands, Ireland, islands are in France, and, and that's and you know that that's where things should hopefully finally um, get a little bit spicy. I don't know. It's kind of it's sort of a reflection of of the sort of world, isn't it? Everything's just kind of all a bit messed.
3: So, uh, Ricky, you're going to be very busy next year, of course, on top of what you've been calling in terms of rugby and sport on Sky. Uh, Super Rugby or Pukki really is gathering momentum now with the naming of the squads and some pretty powerful squads they are as well. Uh, what did you make of them when they came out yesterday?
4: Yeah, look, I, I, I think, and I've actually just been looking through and doing some sort of prep for the Blacksons again this weekend and they look pretty well matched. Um, these teams and so I mean the trick is going to be is how quickly they can come together because yes, while every player is getting paid to play in this competition, they are not being paid like a professional wage, and they are only assembling, so if you're playing on a Saturday, you're only assembling on a Thursday, so time to get is going to be really limited, and, and I've actually chatted with um, Alan Bunting a couple of times this week on various things, he's coaching the Chiefs woman, and he said that's what he kind of said, he'll probably expect to see these teams really flying towards the end of the comp, but Uh, Very well matched. Looking forward to seeing, like, Sarah Hidemi playing for the Hurricanes when she comes up against her her two best mates, Kelly Brazier and Portia Woodman, um, who are playing for the Chiefs. I'm sure the Blues are not particularly thrilled to see Woodman in Chiefs colours. So, you know, I I think there'll be a little bit of spice. There's some good young talent. Maya Joseph, uh, who's the daughter of Jamie Joseph, she's been picked up out of Otago to to, go up to the chief, So, um, yeah, look, it's good and, and it, it's finally happening. Um, but I think we just need to be patient and give it a little bit of
3: time as well. We've been talking to a lot of people from uh, Taranaki, um, Miss Princess of Taranaki, uh, this week. We've talked <laughs> to half the Barrett family. Uh, we talked to Paul <laughs> Tito this morning. Um, and uh, all of a sudden, we've discovered that you're not happy just with seven out of seven. Uh, you're going to pick Scott Barrett to make a debut in All Black Lock this weekend as well. Uh, what is with you people down there?
4: Well, what do you mean what's with us? He's available. He's willing to play. He's contracted. He's from Taranaki. <laughs> I mean, he might fly to Crusaders colours, you know, when we get to Super Rugby, but he is a Taranaki man through and through. So I see zero problem with this. Um, <laughs> all that's going to happen, as far as I'm concerned, is he'll play, Taranaki will win again, and all will renew calls for a, uh, a bit of a petition around promotion relegation this year. Yeah.
3: I can't wait for Paige Harrop to get back surfing again because it will take take something away from you. She's probably a bit more high profile as a Taranaki female than you are.
4: Uh, uh, yes, I would certainly say so. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but uh, and got, for you, you, you know, she's uh, battling, you're
4: battling uh, for the crown with Tony Street, though the two the two queens are Taranaki, those two. <laughs> they're, 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 um, I hope I, I I you I mean Paige Street there. No, no. We were setting up uh, last night. We we're setting up Kirsty Stanway to, 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 uh, for a charity boxing fight against Laura McGoldrick, and I'm now putting K down against T Street on the uh, on the on the card as well.
3: Oh my god! I, uh, I think I'd buy tickets for that. I, I think exactly. I'd just buy tickets for that.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
3: be for a good cause. Be for a good cause, Kimberly. Don't worry. Good cause.
4: <laughs> Always. The problem is between Stree and I. I don't think either of us would um, be willing to throw a punch at the other. So
9: <laughs> that's
3: possibly true. That is possibly true. But yeah, uh, Super Rugby or Picky for you, Kimberly You're gonna. I mean, it's gonna be big when it starts, and uh, you know they're, they're going to be looking for um, you know some some great support from around the uh, around the place. So uh, you and and news etc. Will be. Uh, Focusing on this uh, this novel competition, but it's been uh, quite a long time coming.
4: Yeah, absolutely, can't wait. It's it's so nice. Like I think, mean, like Ricky kind of alluded to there. You know, it's not perfect, but you got to start somewhere. And I can't wait to see it. I personally think this um, chief side looks pretty darn. Exactly, thanks, Cuttacki. Maybe showing a bit of advice, but, um, but no, I, I think they're looking for Jack. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play. And I actually do think, and in particularly in light of what we've seen with the Black in at England, I actually am now uh, of the kind of train of thought that this competition is actually going to be incredibly important uh, in the build-up to the World Cup, even more so um, than I thought prior to the last test that we saw. So I... Can't wait to see it, can't wait to get into it, can't wait to be telling some of
3: these women's stories. Blackcaps to Kimberley. They're on track. They're they're on track, uh, I think it's fair to say, uh, to make the playoffs at least. Uh, And then who knows? Who knows? You might have another great story to talk about later next week. (laughs)
4: That would be great. I mean, at the moment, unfortunately, they're probably on track to meet England in the semi-finals, (laughs) which, Mm -hmm. I mean... How many times can it happen? And it's quite, quite... Well, I mean, not that I don't believe they can do it, because I absolutely think they can. All I know uh, is that as a uh, viewer, as an avid viewer, I will probably be kind of nails and mouth, edge of speech for the entire time. So that'll be fun. But no, um, they're going all right. I mean, I guess Martin Gupta probably got gotten out of a spot of bother there against Scotland. What a remarkable showing from him uh, the other night. I mean, really, I've, I've really seen... Uh, across many sports, an athlete look that utterly exhausted as they go about their work. Um, so that was pretty remarkable to see. It'll be interesting to see how they go up against the Mabir tonight. And then I think the um, real one that will kind of scare everyone maybe just a little bit nervous um, will be their final call match against Afghanistan, which, I mean, we just... They're a good side. They're a good T20 side. And I'm just a little mm-hmm. bit nervous about them. Um, yep. But in saying that, I am quite privy to do when it comes to cricket, so that might not oh, be saying oh. much. But I mean, as it stands, you know, I mean, obviously that huge one over India um, was, was massive, um, and we'll just see here it goes. I've yeah, they've, they've, they've done the hardest part, I suppose, in, in beating India, so let's just keep fingers crossed so I can get through these last call matches, and then, hey, anything can happen on the day.
3: It can, uh, Kimberly. Uh, Ricky, just finally for you, uh, honest answer, and I know you only give honest answers 100% (laughs) of the time. What is this weekend, what is your highlight going to be? Is it going to be uh, commentating uh, the Black Ferns in their comeback win, or perhaps the Mm non-championship match at McLean Park tomorrow night with Mr Tanana and myself in tow? Honest answer.
4: Obviously, it's going to be working with you, Smithy, Um, albeit from a a distance, me in Auckland and you in in Hawke's Bay, Um, and I've got KT for for both that and the Black Ferns as well. Look, to be honest, uh, to go back to the the Black Ferns point, though, I just can't see them I'm expecting a better performance, but I can't see them beating England on the basis of what we saw last week. So that would be a pleasant mm. surprise if we get to call a a, a a comeback win, a turnaround win next week, but, uh, this weekend. But yes, obviously, cannot wait to spend my Saturday night with you in a non-competition. What game. a
3: wonderful, what, what a wonderful answer, and I couldn't think of a better <laughs> way to finish. Uh, so. <laughs> I shall hear from I shall hear from you tomorrow at some stage, and I thank you for your participation this morning, uh, Ricky Swinell, and to you too, Miss Taranaki. uh, Thank you once again. It's been great.
4: Thanks, (laughs) Billy.
3: Thank you. That that was the panel. uh, The panel, Ricky Swinell and Kimberly Downs. A lot of fun um, and uh, some good stuff there too uh, about the black ferns in particular. They are a major focus this weekend, no doubt about it. 10:43 here on
2: SENZ. Superman. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Yes,
3: don't forget tonight at 11 o'clock, uh, it is the Black Caps against Namibia. I would say that's not even a, a banana skin game. It shouldn't be. Uh, we should beat them with uh, confidence and with ease, and uh, that commentary uh, and any news we've got about uh, the T20 World Cup is courtesy of Razine, of course, New Zealand's most trusted paint brand for the past 10 years in this country, and to PIC insurance brokers, marine specialists. Uh, I've got a text that uh, came in a little little early this morning, actually. Uh, It was a very interesting story. Uh, Staffy broke yesterday, the most discussed topic on social media over the last 24 hours, yet the silence is uh, deafening uh, in the mainstream media, including this station. Uh, Does Indian cricket have that much power that they can scare the media into silence, says Zane? Short answer... Probably, probably. They do have a lot of power. Uh, a lot of people, uh, when you go searching for this kind of thing, you've got to get your ducks in a row. Uh, because if you get it wrong, uh, what you're insinuating uh, is quite dangerous and you're dealing with a very, very powerful body. Uh, and that's why you haven't heard anything out of uh, anyone at the T20 World Cup in particular. Uh, they might have looked at it, but certainly it hasn't become too public from, from that point of view. Uh, if you do take on India in particular in cricket, uh, as I say, you have to be very well schooled and you have to uh, have your, your evidence and your, your knowledge 100% right because they will fight back and they, they will bounce back. Uh, and in particular, um, if you're working uh, for the ICC or if you're working in, in the IPL, um, you certainly have to be very careful. So uh, you probably picked up on it, Zane. Uh, it was an issue. Uh, but there is uh, there is silence around uh, about it, and uh, it'll probably go away. It will probably uh, go away as quickly as it arrived. Ten fifty here uh, on SENZ. Uh, Louis Herman Watt and uh, I think Brendan Popperwell this morning from the TAB uh, before eleven.
4: Racing's biggest fan. <laughs>
3: Yeah, pretty quiet on the New Zealand front today in terms of the thoroughbreds, but not tomorrow. Albasti, EquiWorld, Dubai, New Zealand, 2000 guineas, a Group 1 event at Rickerton Park. It is time to go at 3.25. The favourite at this point is
1: Novere. Uh, Is there value in that for you, Louis Herman Watt? That's a really good question, Smithy. Not that you don't usually ask good questions, but I've been wondering it all morning because um, Maddie Cross, who does all the fine work calling down there where you're hitting next week in Canterbury, said that he went and had a look at the Savit Bill Colt yesterday and was just struck by him. He is such a good looker. And the way he flattened out to chase down Field of Gold last start in the Watercree, he just, it he was so impressive. I love it when I see a horse, especially a colt, stretch his neck. And when you say flatten out, you can actually visit, it's something you can visibly see. They really do um, stretch out and find the line beautifully. Now, Opie Bossen goes on, which is just huge. I mean, he's going to settle back. He's going to have to come from back in the field. You're going to have Wakari up on the speed, most likely. Um, I Wish I Win is going to use his good draw. Dark Destroyer will use his. Field of Gold will be up on the speed as well. So he's going to have to come from behind a lot of good horses, which is the only thing you have to worry about. And when I say worry, I mean you really just have to watch the track, make sure that the pattern is suiting. At the moment... $2.50, I'm kind of putting my neck on the line here saying I will wait. I don't think that that is the right price for me. I just think it's a really even field. But saying that, he might start at $1.90 and Opie might just ride them into the ground and um, he might be value at $2. So I don't really know is the answer, but it's a brilliant question, Smithy.
3: What did you make of Oaks Day yesterday? There's one or two standout performances there and
1: horses to follow. Uh, Yeah, Espiona for James McDonald and Mm. Star Thoroughbreds. I think that you say it sometimes in racing, that could be a bit of anything. I think that that Philly is a bit of anything. The way she picked them up and dropped them on their head in a three-year-old Philly's race. And then what about the ride from Damien Oliver in the Oaks? Like They call him the Mm. GOAT, and Baz made the point yesterday, sorry, this morning, he got absolutely everything out of Willowy that Godolphin filly. And he really did. She was under a ride from about the 300, and he just pushed her. He needed every inch of the 2,500 metres race that was the Oaks. I loved it. Um, stakes day tomorrow. There's an option on the TAB. Paul Whitey's coming up very shortly for me. $5. Zaki to win Moanga top three. Spoke to Annabelle Nishim this morning. It's a great bet.
3: Good on you, Louis. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend on the PUNT, as they say. Uh, Let's get straight to the TAB. Uh, Paul Mawadi is there, and uh, Paul, you can enlighten us a wee bit more on uh, what Louis was just saying uh, about the Zaki bet. Uh,
0: Yeah, well, we've got a number of power plays uh, available on the McKinnon where you can uh, have Zaki to win and a number of other horses to finish in the top three or top four. So just head to the – it's at the bottom of the uh, race card uh, for the McKinnon you can find all the power plays there for that. Um, and it, it looks like J-Mac will probably have another big, big day at Flemington uh, with Zaki. And then, of course, in the sprint aboard Nature Strip, who I think is around the $1.30 mark at the moment. Uh, back on this side of the Tasman, of course, we've got the 2,000 guineas at Rickerton tomorrow. Uh, the favourite, Novere, took a $6,000 bet on him at two ninety, now into $2.50 and of course with that Jamie Richards Opie Bossin combination you can understand the sort of support that Novere has been getting uh, in the last oh, day and a bit so yeah are very well supported in the 2000 Guineas uh, and Zaki, uh, obviously uh, well supported in the McKinnon
3: OK, thanks very much Paul have uh, a wonderful weekend don't forget also there's folks uh, NFL on today, the Friday game starts in around 2 hours and 20 minutes uh, the Indianapolis Colts are hot favourites here. $1.20 to beat the New York Jets, the hapless Jets at $4.60. Uh, we're going to be talking to uh, Michael Guerin um, after the break and also to former Blackburn's Lock
2: Charmaine Smith. This is Mornings with Ian Smith.
3: It's 11.02 here on SENZ and the Black Ferns are a hot ticket at the moment. Uh, So hot perhaps on the field last week uh, as they were pretty much overrun by uh, England in a record defeat. Uh, So what can they do about it Uh, and uh, what do they have to change? Joining us now to review and preview the action is Black Fern number 182, Charmaine Smith. She played 27 tests before sadly her career uh, was ended prematurely uh, due to a neck injury last year. Shami, uh, thank you very much for joining us, first of all. Um, I guess it's times like this when they are out there back playing, you really miss the game the most. How's retirement from rugby gone for you?
9: Kia ora, how are you going? Um, it's good. I've got a four-week-old baby, so um, mm. busy. I don't feel like it's retirement because it's almost like another another full-time gig, Um, but it's good, yeah. Do
3: you miss the game? Obviously you miss the camaraderie and, you know, the the fact that they're now back playing.
9: Yeah, definitely. It's the first test match since uh, my medical retirement, so um, it was a bit different sitting on this side of the world watching it on the TV screen, and um, there's a few times, even in the line-outs, I I reckon I might have jumped off the couch a little bit um, just by habit, but Yeah,
3: a little bit different. Okay, let's uh, look at that test match last week. Um, We knew it was going to be tough, um, not having played for quite some time and going up against England first up. Um, But I'm not quite sure any of us predicted that margin. Uh, How did you view it?
9: Yeah, I know um, it it, it blew out the score. I think... um, they'll the black ferns they know that it wasn't good enough but it's a starting point for them and um they they won't want to bank on the fact they haven't had a test match for two and a half years they know it's not good enough and the good thing about um losing is i think they know they they have some pretty honest reviews and always have so they'll know exactly what they need to work on and what went wrong and where um and that's what they're, they're going to need to take into next weekend as well um but i think it all for me as a forward it all starts at set piece so um there'll be some yeah pretty in-depth reviews into both their scrums and their line outs i think because um, it has to start there
3: well Charmaine, during your career uh, one of your areas of course of expertise uh, was the line out that was an issue last week uh, how do they sort that out in a, in a week's duration
9: yeah, it was an issue and, and England, their set piece, uh, one of the best in the world and so um, they just really, we need to work on our timing, accuracy and speed. We just weren't fast enough against them and um, that was pretty evident in how many ones they stole from our attacking lineouts. And then on defence, I, I don't think we contested uh, many or if any of their um of their balls, so just getting up in the air against them and putting some pressure on their line-outs so they don't get that confidence going for their attack as well.
3: Who's got to lead this revival, uh, from your point of view, of the personnel within the group? I mean, you you played a lot of uh, your rugby alongside uh, alongside Eloise Blackwell, of course, um, and uh, I would imagine she felt that, that loss pretty heavy, so... Who do you think Glenn Moore will be going to on an individual basis and say, "We need you badly this week?"
9: Yeah, I think like every um every aspect of the game has different leaders. um Elle is one of the leaders in the lineouts, and so um that's part of the review process is that um each of the leaders and all of them will be contributing their expertise from that area, so um yeah, Glenn is kind of like he orchestrates it but there'll be everyone from each of those um, parts of the game, scrums line outs, attack and defence who will all stand up but I think also what's really important is um, the nine debutantes as well like they bring a lot of um, I guess youthfulness and it's it's also them like they, they contribute a lot as well um, and just their energy out on the field will be important
3: What kind of coach is Moore? Is he a uh a fist slapper or does he bend uh, hooks off the dressing room is he is he pretty laid back sort of a man and and with a quiet message
9: i think um oh how would i describe his coaching it would be he's honest you you know where you stand with him and um i think that that's why people really respect the way he coaches is because if you're not doing something right you'll not. And it's not so much focused on um, what you're doing wrong, but he'll also um, help you find the solution into into fixing it. So, yeah, he's an honest, um, bit of a straight shooter, Is GM.
3: So let's uh, look at that environment, which you've been very much a part of, uh, of course. Um, You know, it's not very often they've had to bounce back from uh, a defeat of this nature. Normally, uh, they're pretty dominant, uh, the Black Ferns, so... What are you what are you kind of sensing it'll be like in this this build up week?
9: Yeah, I think the the thing with um, coming off a loss is you you have to have that honest review, which happens within a day or so of the game, and then you've got to park what park everything else, take the learnings, and then focus on the game ahead. If you're focusing the whole on the whole. The whole week on what went wrong, like you're just going to be dwelling on that. So um, that's always been a message for our reviews. And I think the thing is as well. I was thinking the last time we lost to England was um, in 2017 here in New Zealand, and the next time we played them was in the World Cup final, where we obviously mm-hmm. beat them and won gold. So um, I do. I don't think. Um, I don't think the players will be dwelling on the game on the weekend too much, and and they'll be leading that from the front, especially the experienced players, um, to move on and focus on this weekend.
3: Charmaine, when we talk uh, to the All Blacks, and we have in the past, with, because they played their 100th test, of course, against the Springboks, most of the old All Blacks and even the current ones say that is the rivalry that means the most to them, not Australia, it is against South Africa. Uh, what, is England the biggest rivalry for the Black Ferns?
9: Yeah, I think it is. Um, it's a fierce um, Yeah, you, you, you can see it even watching the game on the weekend, you know, um, the little off-the-ball things and everything. It's definitely, um, yeah, I'd say for the Black Ferns, England is our biggest rivals. And, and yeah, yeah, definitely. France would be close, but England, definitely our biggest rivals.
3: That's OK. So after not playing for uh, over two years, all of a sudden you've got... Four amazing test match opportunities in a row. This one and then, of course, uh, a couple against France, who you've just mentioned as well. So um, these are now vital. We don't know what the world's going to look like, but with the World, coming, uh, the world Cup uh, coming to New Zealand, not that far away now as we speak, uh, all of a sudden these, these matches, uh, the trend has to certainly, the trend has to be upwards uh, towards the end of this tour.
9: Yeah, definitely, and I think the main thing... Um, the main thing is that they each and every player grows from one to the other, and like England and France both play very different styles of rugby, um, which is really important for us to um, have that experience against because we haven't played them in such a long time. Um, but they're just um, nine debutants. Like The experience that they're getting out there um, before heading into the World Cup ne- next year is really invaluable, so I think they'll um, definitely make the most of it. Um, no matter what's
3: on the scoreboard, um, yeah. Okay, let's look at um, rugby uh, domestically here, of course. Um, Waikato uh, overcoming Canterbury, which I I don't suppose anyone outside of Canterbury was uh, too worried about. Um, But all of a sudden, too, uh, we have super rugby or picky uh, squads named yesterday. They look strong squads uh, through and through. Uh, In your mind, uh, with what you've seen, uh, are the Chiefs the favourites?
9: Yeah, you can't look much for the Passat Chiefs squad with all the um, all the big names in there. I think as well they'll be um, they'll be going off their last game, which they like performed outstandingly. So um yeah for me it's probably the Chiefs. I don't I don't really wanna say that because I I'm living in Northland and I'm a blues fan, but um yeah, the Chiefs are looking pretty strong, that's for sure.
3: One of the names that was interesting, um for the Chiefs from, from our point of view when we first looked at the squatters. Portia Woodman playing for the Chiefs and, and bypassing the Blues. W- would you know anything about the story there?
9: No, I don't know too much about that apart from that she's living down in that area. Um, but no, no, no inside information about that for you, sorry.
3: <laughs> OK, well, uh, overall though, um, women's rugby is, is hitting the headlines a lot more now. Uh, are, you, are you excited about the, the big steps, including Super Rugby or Piki, that, that women's rugby is making it, and the attention it's getting?
9: Yeah, definitely. Next year next year is probably one of the biggest years for women's rugby that there's ever been. And um, I think it's finally getting the attention that it, it deserves. And um, it's just so exciting to see them on that stage and, and for them to get that platform that um, is well and truly earned from everyone that's come before them.
3: So um, the difference between playing England and then France, uh, the different styles of rugby, are they, being from the Northern Hemisphere, they play each other uh, more often than we do, of course, are they their rugby similar, or, or, or is there a subtle difference between the French and uh, the English?
9: No, it's very different. Um, France are really unpredictable. They um, kick from places you... You wouldn't think they would, and um, they've sort of got a really unorthodox style of play, um, which I think is is harder to defend. Whereas England are really strong set piece um, and really well connected in their like their line out drives. They know how to score off off their line outs. Their scrums are strong, but they've also got um, some really fast backs out there as well. So, yeah, to- two totally different styles of play. Um, having played against them. I obviously haven't seen France play in a while, but uh, I'd imagine that's quite similar to a couple of years ago.
3: Okay, just finally, uh, Charmaine, give us a score prediction for Monday morning, please. And I know where your heart will be, but (laughs) what does it tell you?
9: Black Ferns by 10.
3: Black Ferns by 10. Well, that will be some turnaround if that happens. Uh, Thank (laughs) you very much, Charmaine, for your time this morning. Um, New baby, exciting time in your life, Uh, uh, good luck with that, uh, and uh, we we'll hope to catch up with you again in the, uh, to, as women's rugby takes uh, so much more of a centre stage. Uh, we'll be getting hold of you. Don't worry about that. Thank you.
9: <laughs> no worries. Cheers. That's
3: yeah, Charmaine Smith, folks. Uh, of course, former uh, Black Fern had to retire from the game because uh, of a neck injury, which is uh, very sad indeed. And uh, she was uh, alongside Eloise Backwell in the engine room for New Zealand for quite some time. Um, not there, um, but watching on from afar, as we all are. It's uh, 11.14 here, um, 11.15 actually, uh, on SENZ. Um, uh, JD, we've got, uh, we've got our tipping cup uh, coming up, of course, but can I just, uh, you know, we had a text in before about New Zealand's results when losing the toss. Yeah. Uh, and that we had that text coming in, well, a great mate of mine and one of the great statisticians in world cricket is listening in from Australia, Mr. Laurie Colliver, Big Loza, uh, great man. Doesn't mind a bear and a bet, to be fair. And he's very good at his job. And he thought, I might just help you out here, Smithy. So he's come up with this. Results when losing the toss in eight matches or more. Uh, England are the best on 87%. Pakistan, 75%. New Zealand, 66.67%. So having lost the toss uh, two-thirds of the time, it's not too bad, is it, to be fair? Uh, India are the worst, 4444 uh, and then you go up uh, the scale, and, and believe it or not, in number fifth spot, are uh, Uganda and 55.5.
2: Wow,
1: powerhouse!
3: No, I did. I did say that. Yes, Uganda, Uganda are. Uh, yeah, they are 55.56. So, uh, uh, Big Laza, where are the where are the Aussies? Uh, way down. Okay. So, uh, looks. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks very much for uh, for your input there. Uh, Big loss and I hope you're well over there uh, in Australia getting through things and uh, looking forward to the Ashes Uh, and he'll be working on that as well providing all the great stats that you'll be seeing on that coverage so it's 11.16 here
2: Um, yes uh, John, uh, we're we going to do the uh, the tipping comp at some stage. Yeah, I've got to get my um, I've got to get my head in the game. So I reckon we'll take a quick break. I'll re-look over my uh, picks because I'm four behind you, Smithy, and I'll owe you a Christmas ham if I lose this comp. And so I need I need another five minutes just to check out where where my picks are going this week.
3: You n- you need another five weeks of rugby. We'll be back shortly. The voice of sport in New Zealand.
2: <laughs> Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Uh, 11.22 here on SENZ as we charge along to uh, midday. And uh, Mark Stafford, of course, taking over for the afternoon. I wonder what controversies he's going to come up with today, Staff. We shall find out uh, just before midday. Uh, speaking of uh, blokes who are trying very hard, I'm not saying Staffy is, but I'm talking about you, John Day. Uh, to try and hard to get back in the picking competition for the Christmas ham. Uh, and it's uh, that time of the week where we have a crack this weekend. Uh, just remind me and uh, those people who are
2: listening and showing any interest at all, uh, what the state of the play is at the moment. Yeah, um, it's got worse for me, Smithy. Last week was a big opportunity. I, uh, I had a chance to get those two games back and draw even, but I lost both those opportunities. I uh, picked Tasman of course on that Friday night game last week when it was raining in Christchurch and Luke Romano uh, just absolutely dealt to the markle. He's probably got a shark in his deep freeze now alongside with some boars and venison and all the rest of it so... Thanks a lot Luke, uh, Cannery well done there and you picked Cannery so you were you got that one right. Southland, Northland, we both picked Southland so we were both good there. Bay of Plenty, Waikato, we both picked the Bay, uh, former team formerly known as the Bay. Uh, Waikato got up there so we both missed out there, that's the only one that you missed actually. Uh, Hawks Bay, Delta Manawa too, Otago beat Wellington in a non-competition game. I went Wellington, you went Otago of course, uh, and then we had a Wednesday game. We both went Bay of Plenty. So that means you're on 32 out of 46, Smithy. Not bad, and I am on a woeful 28 out of 46. So I'm four behind, and I think there's only about nine, 11 games left. So somehow I'm going to have to find a miracle uh, and not buy your Christmas ham. But we'll see how we go this week. Smithy, Waikato, Otago tonight and Rotorua. Which way are you going to go?
3: Waikato. Waikato, thank you, I take Waikato uh, comfortably for me in that one so uh, I'm putting pressure on you here you're going to have to, uh, do or die here you're going to either have to pick a few roughies, uh or um, just lose by four yeah. Up to you.
2: yeah, I know, ball's in my court um, Yeah, I had Waikato written down because they've got more to play for like, semi-final spots are up for grabs. If they win, they get a home semi. Otago, they've got a great team, but they're already locked in uh, to their semi-finals. they nothing to play for, so I'm going Mooloos as well. Smithy, I'm going to match you with that one. Tasman-Wellington, 2.05 tomorrow. That'll be a cracker in the sunshine, hopefully, in Blenheim. Wellington, tough to pick this year. The Markle got the wobbly boot on, Smithy. So, interesting game, this one. I'll give you first pick, John. There you go. That's uh, the gentleman that I am. Now, that's very kind of you. Uh, there's five Tasman players in the All Blacks 23 this weekend. Can I fly them back? You know, it's a more important yep, game. Um, I'd like to see yep. them play against Wellington, but no, I, I can't. So I'm picking the Markle. I'm picking the Markle to win and make the semi finals. What about you, Smithy? No,
3: no, I'll take Wellington. I'll give you a chance to pull one back there. So I'll take Wellington down in Blenheim. Um, I, I, I just. Kind of, the Wellington though, is just so unpredictable. And uh, we had Paul Tito on this morning. Uh, they're, they're doing some pretty good work, and he said, when we fire, out, we will fire. I, I think it will be tomorrow. There you go. Yep. So I think you,
2: you can uh, perhaps um, take another one on the chin, you Marco. You yeah. Up. Man, we haven't missed the semifinals for so long. I think maybe ever since we got no. up to the premiership, we've made the semifinals every year, so that would be a killer blow. Uh, Canterbury Bay plenty straight after that in Christchurch, another knockout game. Um, do you want me to go first again here or uh, second? Yeah, or, right. absolutely. I like Canterbury. I think they've found their mojo. Uh, Smithy, after we talked to Mark Brown, uh, he laid it out on the on the table for us um, about what they want to achieve and they started to achieve it. So I think the Red and Blacks win and make the semis. Yeah,
3: OK, I, I'll go with that as well. I, I, just, I think you're right. I think they might have found a formula. They certainly have found some motivation if you look at the way that they fired up against uh, their Crusader mates
2: last weekend. So... I agree with you on that, and I will sure go with the Red and Blacks too. Yeah, non-competition games. These are proving tough to pick. Hawks Bay, who have had a hell of a year uh, in Napier against Northland. The Ranfurly Shield's not on the line because it's not a proper game, so I guess I go the hoops. I guess I go the actual bay here. Yeah, I go Hawks Bay. And I can't tip
3: against them, so and I have no idea what their side is. Uh, we heard from uh, Tom Parsons about 10 days ago on this show. He's the current captain, of course, of Hawks Bay. Um, that they would be trying new players and they would be mixing and mingling a wee bit prior to the playoffs makes sense to do that Uh, and I have no idea what their squad looks like so I would imagine Northland uh, because they're they're out of uh, their own region of course and preparing for these games will bring the same sort of squad down uh, and they'll have a real crack at Hawke's Bay I think it might be quite close actually but I'll take the bay
2: yeah, and then Sunday, final game of the round, Taranaki against Southland. Southland are locked in to a semi-final spot and Taranaki a 7-0 and they welcome Scott Barrett. So I think this is a, a lay-down misere. I think uh, the Bulls put their horns up here and the Antlers won't be strong enough to deny Taranaki dear Smithy.
3: Totally agree. So that's it, John. Yep. Uh, they are our picks for, for this particular week. Uh, we've got some uh, texts in as well. Uh, someone's just texted and said, no, not Chris Gale retiring, but DJ Bravo has retired from international cricket. Uh, he's been around a long time, DJ Bravo, and they've still got one game to go in this T20 World Cup, so I imagine he's retiring at the end of the tournament, uh, unless he's uh, had enough and gone home already. Uh, so they're playing Australia, the West Indies, and that's a pretty important game for Australia. West Indies doesn't matter, they're out. So they might play with some sort of freedom, and who knows, they might find a formula that's been sadly uh, missing. Hi, Smitty, you are being a bit tough on Mitch Santner. I agree he's not a great wicket taker but has two of his best test bags against India in India. Three for 60 and three for 94 and has an economy rate uh, under three. He's good in the field and handy in the, handy with the bat. I read that uh, De Grandholm was unavailable but he is not bowling and his recent batting and fielding have been poor. So I don't see him being an alternative that is from Barry. Uh, yeah I, along with Trent Bolt, uh, Colin de Grandholm have opted out. They've opted out, which I I, I find quite a weird thing to say on a a very important uh, two-test match tour uh, that they've opted out of of playing. And I look at that side and I just think to myself, um, no Daryl Mitchell either. They're missing. No Jimmy Neesham. They're missing that kind of player who can roll his arm over, if need be, bowl some overs and bat roundabout number six or seven. Uh, maybe that's the Santner role. Maybe they've got Santner in there who can bowl a lot uh, of tied overs uh, and then bat around about the, the 7 or 8 mark as well. Um, so uh, the batting will be quite strong. You look at Cole uh, Jameson coming in at number 8 or 9, uh, Santner at, at 8 or 9. Uh, you have got uh, the possibility of, well a probability of Tom Blundell batting uh, perhaps at number 6 as well. Uh, and then uh, do you have your do they try this young kid from Wellington, this wonder boy they've uh, been carrying around, Russian Ravindra? Don't know too much about him. Uh, he's had a taste of it. Then you've got your spinners. Well, some of back in the mix is your uh, orthodox right arm off spinner, and then you've got, of course, Ajaz Patel, uh, your left arm orthodox. And so it, it, it's an interesting mix, and uh, who are the two quicks you start with? you start with uh, Salvi and uh, Kyle Jamieson and go without the, uh, the hard work of uh, Neil Wagner? I wouldn't. I'd have wags in there all the time because you know what the plan is and uh, he implements it very well. So, uh, And he'll be itching, absolutely itching to have a go. So it's, a, it's an interesting, a really interesting combination that they've picked uh, with a few more gaps than normal, I feel anyway. 11.30 here on SENZ and it is your last chance this week uh, to win 50 bucks of uh, TAB vouchers credited to your particular TAB account when you want to try and stump Smithy. I wish you all the best and uh, look forward to your calls. Match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
2: Welcome in to Stump by Smithy, the quiz where you call in and you take on Smithy. If you get questions wrong, he can come in and stump you. Uh, But if you get them right, then you can win 50 bucks from the TAB and some sleep drops, a daytime revive. New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. I actually just got sent some the other day. Smithy, a couple of drops in your mouth and away you go. I feel like I need some after these long weeks in lockdown. How, How about you, Smithy? Are they helping you out after the shows? Uh, Well,
3: I can't take too many, because if I nod off for too long, I miss the crickets throughout the night. So uh, at the moment, my sleep patterns are well and truly up the wall, but it won't affect my concentration in this
2: particular event that we're about to start, John. Excellent. I like that. I like it when you're up for it. Smither, you love a stumping, and we've got Jono from Auckland on the line. How are the confidence levels this morning, Jono? Yeah, not too bad. We'll, uh, We'll see how we go. We will indeed So you get three sporting categories You choose one Then you get three questions Get them all right You win But get them wrong And you can be stumped So your sports today are Tennis Basketball And rugby union Which one of those do you like? Tennis Basketball Or rugby union Yep Go tennis Tennis All right. Why not? (laughs) What was the thought process there? Was this the one that you thought Maybe you could get smithy on? Smithy might not have the best of knowledge, and uh, yeah, we'll just see how we go with tennis. Oh, shots fired, Smithy! shots fired. All right, <laughs> let's go. Before the King of Clay, Rafael Nadal, there was a Brazilian who won three French Open titles in 1997, 2000, and 2001. What was his name? Oh. Uh, Gustavo Curtin. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and where it goes. A servant volley there, Smithy, from Jono. Yeah, big, tall player,
3: actually, uh, Gustavo Curtin. Very, very good clay court player, so uh, I think we'd have got, both
2: got that. Nice, nice. All right, question number two. Who won gold at the Tokyo Olympics in the men's singles? Zverev? Just a couple of chips now to make it right in the slot and where it goes. Very quick there. Uh, Zverev, Alexander Zverev, uh, one of the up-and-coming yeah, tennis yeah, players. So, Smithy? Pretty good, pretty good, Jono, with his tennis. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, I know that, but
3: usually usually this is where people go wrong. This is the one, Jono, said very, very careful. over
2: on the last hurdle. That's right, it's only 30, love. You got it. You got to close out the game. All right, Jono, for everything, for the daytime revive from Sleep Drops and the 50 bucks, who are the current top three in the men's tennis rankings? For so long it was Djokovic, Nadal and Federer but who are the current top three?
1: Uh, Djokovic, Medvedev, Zverev.
0: One of the worst things I have oh. ever seen done on a cricket okay. field.
2: Oh, he's left the uh, he's left it open for you, Smithy, for a passing shot here.
3: Okay, uh, down the line. Um, on the, finding that line just on the inside the tram lines there, I shall go. Uh, Djokovic, Medvedev, Rublev.
0: One of the worst things I have ever seen
2: done on a cricket field. Oh, you were both so close. Djokovic, Medvedev, Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas, Stefano. Tsitsipas, the Greek, is third. So you don't get the sleep drops, Jono, but you do get 50 bucks from the TAB. Oh, awesome, guys. Thanks, Smitty, for messing that one up like I did. (laughs) I didn't do it
3: with any intent, Jono. I didn't do it with any oh, thought, intent. So, uh, thought, yeah, hey, have a great weekend. For mate. The weekend. <laughs> no, no Thanks way. Very much, guys. Awesome. No way. <laughs> hey, stay on the line, John. I will get your details, man. Stay on the line. Uh, 11:36 here at SENZ, another winner here. And speaking of winners, uh, we might get one or two uh, with the next gentleman we're speaking to here on and uh, SENZ, SENZ in the morning. Uh, of course, that's Mick Guerin, and uh, our trotting expert uh, with Cup Week. Uh, Just a couple of days away, really. I wonder if Mix packed his bag yet.
2: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
3: Right, 11.42. Let's uh, get busy with uh, New Zealand harness racing. Of course, if you want to get involved in the industry, uh, it's quite simple. Uh, The easiest way is to go to uh, harness racing on their website, hrnz.co.nz. And courtesy of them, uh, we are now joined by uh, Mike, uh, Michael Guerin. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, man, uh, you can almost reach out and touch Cup Week now, mate. It's so close.
6: It sure is. Really, um, hi to all the listeners around the country. I hope they enjoyed Melbourne Cup Week, which is still going, of course, but it dovetails into Cup Week in Christchurch, which kicks off with the gallops tomorrow, but the biggest day of the week in Christchurch. In fact, probably the biggest day of the year in Christchurch is Cup Day. It's Tuesday oh. at Addington. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, this year, it's a, a smaller than usual crowd. with only 1,200 people allowed on track, but that means plenty of people are going to watch it at home or go to bars or enjoy themselves in different parts of the country. And we're going to treat for them, starting at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning, if you want to be part of the fun, if you want to have a jar or a cup of tea and watch the harness racing, but you don't know a lot about it, There's a National Punters Club. We're all getting in this together. What you can do is go to the TAB on the website, or you can just do it in person, and you can buy a share in what's called the National Punters Club. Uh, All the information's on the TAB website. You can spend five bucks if you want, but if you want to spend your whole punting spend and just watch it on the in front of you, you can spend a hundred. You can spend as much or as little as you want, but of course, only spend responsibly. And what we're going to do, Smithy, is take that money in a national pool and as a big group of us, we're going to punt it together. And we might end up having 20000 on something. Hey, Smithy? we might end up having 50000 on something. Uh, so the National Punters Club tickets are available tomorrow all together and we're going to hope that there's people watching it at home at Bluff and there's people watching it in pubs in the Hawks Bay and we're going to hope there's people watching it sneakily on the computer at work at Wellington all in it together, and we're going
3: to have some big boys and big girls' punts. <clears throat> what an exciting innovation that is, uh, Mick, to be part of that. Who who will be the the, the uh, people responsible for making the investments? That's what I'd like to know.
6: Mm, well, Smithy, you're talking to one of them.
3: <laughs> yep, I thought so. I Did thought I so. It? When
6: I get out of bed on Tuesday morning, someone's going to give me an account with what might be 100, who knows, it what might be 200,000 in it. And myself and my good friend Greg O'Connor, who, of course, is a huge harness racing man, but he's also based in Canterbury, to give it another perspective. And Mm -hmm. I'll be honest with you, Smitty, it's not just about what we think. I'm going to spend Sunday on the computer. I'll watch probably 100 or 150 race replays. Uh, and i'll make about 20 phone calls and i'll ring anybody i think has something to add from the trainers and the drivers and i'll ask their opinions and then we'll put all that together and we'll try and make it fun for people we're going to tweet out and tell on television what the bets are as i said it's a bit fun if you can have fifty thousand on one uh if we can all do it together and get a chance to yell at the tv i can't promise we are going to win snippy but i can promise we're going to leave no hunting rock unturned. So, if you want to come play, people of <laughs> the public, I'm going to give it shot for you.
3: So let's uh, let's just while well, we're on the subject of, of coverage of, of Cup Week, Matt, what's your involvement, Matt, Ma- Obviously, you'd be down there in your official capacity. So, what is what is uh, your involvement?
6: Well, yeah, just importantly, I'm not down there working for SCNZ. I'm down there working for the New Zealand Herald, which um, means. Like many media, you can get exemptions to go. I've COVID tests. I've obviously got all the things in play that you need. I'm double vaccinated because, really, I'm not an idiot. Um, so all that stuff's in place. I'm going to go down there. And, and uh, when well, you're kept away from the public, you tend to mix in the, in the participants' areas. But we have radio shows every day of the week. Myself, Louis what what Mark Clayton, you'll be part of the normal coverage, of course, on Cup Day, um, Taina Walters, a whole range of people. Every day, for people listening to this, at 8 o'clock in the morning, the usual show we have. Now, we obviously have on SDN, <coughs> SDNZ usual breakfast radio. That will continue. But what we're going to have is on the app, you can listen, and I think it'll be on some of the South Island stations, a daily cut week broadcast. So every day, what we do with the mail run on Saturday mornings, myself and Louis Human watt which is racing radio from 8 till 10. We're going to do that every day. So every day we're going to put you in Cup Week. We're going to talk to the people from the day before who won. We're going to talk to people who are going to win, hopefully, that day. I'm going to tell you the stories of Cup Week, as well as some of the stories behind the scenes. Basically, CNZ is going for Cup Week. Now, we're going to have you this movie on Cup Day at Addington. Uh, I'm going to be on track on show day with a four-hour harness show, which... We'll be on the South Island SCNZ frequency. But if you are thinking to yourself, well, how do I find all this stuff? Just get the app. If you get the SCNZ app, download it, it takes you two minutes, you've got it, and you can listen to it anywhere. You can Bluetooth it into your car. We're basically going to have the biggest radio racing coverage of any racing carnival in New Zealand history. I can say that because I've been part of most of them. It's never been this big. We will be at everywhere you need to be. Don't worry, the hounds aren't going to be left behind. The greyhounds will be part of Thursday's coverage as well. It's going to be their smithy. We're looking forward to being part of it. That kicks off tomorrow morning with the mail run at 8 o'clock with myself and Hyphen. We have Trot's talk at 12 o'clock on um, Sunday, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger.
3: So just repeat, and, and um, uh, we've just had a text in to say, how do we get involved in this smithy? Simple as that. So just repeat how they get involved, the, the, the listeners, The would-be punters.
6: Uh, uh, Starting tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, the punters' club opens at tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. You just go to the TAB uh, or the website or just even Google Box Seat Punters Club. Box Seat National Punters Club. That's all it is. You won't be able to miss it. And you just buy a share. It's no different to, you click on it, you buy a share for $5 or $100 or whatever you think's a reasonable amount of money to spend. Opens at 10 a.m. tomorrow, go to the TRB website or go to the tab and say, I want to join the National Punter's Club. And all that money goes together and I'll give it my best shot along with my good friend Greg O'Connor at trying to make us a dollar. Um, And yeah, we're going to have some
3: fun on the way. Pretty safe hands, I reckon. Um, just before we go, um, there is trolling, of course, and harness racing before uh, Tuesday and uh, tonight at Alexandra Park. Tonight, Rungiora meeting as well, and of a cargo on Sunday. So, could we possibly make a buck before we got to cup week?
6: Well, Smithy, I backed one last night, and I'm not allowed on for big money because <laughs> that'd be crazy to let me on for big money. I backed one last night, race four, number four at Alexandra Park tonight. Mr. Chip, named after some golfing guys. You like that sort of thing. It opened $6.50, Smithy. I backed it at $5, I think, because I was doing something else. It's $2.90. The world's jumped off. Oh. There's people who have never heard of Mr. Chip. They're jumping out of buildings to back him now. It's still backable. Mr. Chip, race four, number four at Alexandra Park tonight. Might get you some beer money as Cup Week kicks off tomorrow. Join myself and Louis Herman Watt and special guest, James McDonald. James McDonald, the yeah. Melbourne Cup-winning jockey, the Kiwi Melbourne Cup-winning jockey. He is on the mail run tomorrow morning. He'll be on at 9.30. We're going to talk J-Mac, not all the other stuff, not the quotes and the rah-rah. We're going to talk to J-Mac about what it was really like in those incredible moments at Flemington.
3: Mick, can't wait for that. And, uh, man, has he got a good book of rides tomorrow on the last day of that carnival so um, that, don't forget folks uh, to listen to Mick, to Greg, to Louis Herman Watt and uh, all next week on the app etc, all the coverage here on SENZ it's going to be quite unique, Mick have, uh, have a nice weekend uh, and pack uh, all your best bib and tucker and I'll see you down there
6: Look forward to it mate, I've got about 6 or 7 different masks, Smithy. it's a new, the new fashion accessory, uh, I would say I'll come give you a hug and a shake of a hand but I might just give you away from 2 metres away
3: Good on your boy. Look forward to that, even at that, that distance. So, uh, 11.50 here on SENZ. Yeah, Cup Week next week. Uh, special. Uh, and nice to hear that at least 1,200 people will be allowed on course. So there'll be a little bit of atmosphere there. Uh, 1,200 people is actually a hell of a crowd at most race meetings in New Zealand, uh, to be perfectly honest and a little bit sarcastic. Um, we'll go uh, take a, a couple of texts before we go into the break. Chris has come in. Uh, we will have Pablo Montera next year. Go the Crusaders, Canterbury forever. Yeah, Chris, we're very aware of that, um, providing he doesn't break any protocols and uh, head over the border when he shouldn't. Um, he's prone to doing that, you know. Uh, good play on the Bucks, Smithy. Not so good for me last week. Uh, ha-ha, taking the other side. James. Yeah, trust me, James, on that one. Uh, Chris has, uh, Another Chris has come in and said, Rockhampton, race eight, number two. I gave you guys a winner yesterday, so trust me on that. Rockhampton, race eight, number two. Um, also... Hey, uh, Smithy, would Cole McConkie be better for that role? You just mentioned that Mitch Santner. A little bit of development to come from uh, Cole McConkie. A little bit more in terms of uh, both um, sides of the, uh, of the bow there, Chase. But yeah, it's a name that's uh, on their, uh, certainly on their page, uh, pieces of paper because he's to it already for the Black Caps this year. So might not be that far away. Might not be. And he's got leadership skills as well. 11.52 here on SENZ. Staffy before midday.